Welcome to FF Plus listeners, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, discussion, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me here to tee up this discussion about a nice golfer, a good golfer, is my friend Patch. Hello, everyone. And Coles. Good evening. Now, guys, we are, I think, all excited about this documentary we are here to discuss today. This is a golfer who has sort of transcended the sport in many ways over the last couple of decades, and we've all been lucky enough to grow up and see his entire career, which is, I think, something that when it comes to sports and sports documentaries is something that really adds a lot of value when you're watching something, or I guess it gives us a connection to it in a way that we wouldn't have if we were watching something from the past. So not that something, not that athletes from the past don't have value, but for me at least, I think that there was something a little, a little extra special about watching a documentary on Tiger Woods. And this one is, uh, it's long. It's about three hours long. It's in two parts. It is directed by Academy Award nominee and Emmy winning filmmakers. The Academy Award winner is Matthew Heineman of Cartel Land and a Private War. I actually had a chance to talk to Matthew Heineman once about a private war back in Minnesota 55. That was a cool experience for me. And then the Emmy nominee is Matthew Hamachek for the Amanda Knox documentary. What is the synopsis of this? Well, Tiger, as it is titled, is a two-part documentary offering a revealing look at the rise, fall, and epic comeback of global icon Tyler. Tyler. I have a son named Tyler. I wonder how many times I'm going to do that, guys. Uh, global icon Tiger Woods, not Tyler White. Uh, he's got a couple years. Give, give him a couple years. He'll get there. The series paints an intimate picture of the prodigy whose dedication and obsession with the game of golf not only took his fame and success to new heights, but also down a dark, spiraling road that eventually led to a legendary sports comeback culminated by his victory at the 2019 Masters. Tiger highlights never-before-seen footage and interviews with those who know Tiger Woods best, including his former caddy and close friend Steve Williams, golf legend Sir Nick Faldo, his father Earl Woods, friend and biographer Pete McDaniel, Tiger's first true love, Dina Parr, and Rachel Yucatel, the woman at the center of the sex sandal that forever altered Tiger's world, breaking her silence for the first time. This is a lot. The first half of this documentary is about an hour and a half. The second is about an hour and 45 minutes. The first part generally covers mostly the rise, I would say, and sets us up for the second part, which is pretty much almost all the fall and then a really, really small part of the comeback at the end. So, Kales, I want to throw this to you. First, because I think of the three of us, you are the only one with some background knowledge. This documentary, if I understand correctly, is based on a book, a biography that was written a couple of years ago. So why don't you get us going with some of the things that you liked about this one? What I liked about this documentary is that, for one, it felt unbiased. Um, it didn't feel that the documentarians were asking you to be on the side of Tiger or they wouldn't even ask you to even like not like Tiger when, especially when they go over the fall section of his um his career and everything. It feels like they're just giving you a complete picture of who Tiger Woods was. Um, you know, 
it's very easy for a celebrity documentary to just go from the beginning, showing when they were born, and then yada, 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 then going to his career, and then that's that. But I like how the film jumps from past, and then to his career, and then to his fall, and it jumps all around, but it's adding layers to who Tiger was. And it's phenomenal, because... Tiger Woods is one of those athletes that I never really could get close to on a personal level like I could with a Kobe or maybe like even a Lionel Messi as far as soccer fans are concerned. He always felt guarded. He always felt like that, you know, he had this image, you know, he had this smiling, you know, the the great smile, you know, the theatrics on the golf course, you know, his Tiger Woods on PGA Tour golf games, you know, he had the Buick commercials, you know, so you saw who Tiger Woods was, but you didn't see the, but I never got to see the man behind him. And the book and also this documentary allows us and for a lot of people to see who Tiger Woods really was. And it says a lot about how we as Americans, you know, and possibly worldwide, how we see celebrity. Um, we expect for these people who are famous, you know, who are athletes, who are entertainers, that they can do no wrong, that they're perfect just because they have a skill set in something. But that's not the case. I mean, they're humans like us. They're flawed. I mean, one of um, Tiger's family friends talks about it. He said that we should never propped up Tiger to be this perfect guy. He was always flawed. You know, he was built to be this golfing machine. But, you know, at what cost did it like hurt him to socialize as far as growing up or whether it's being able to talk about his feelings or whether it was trying to follow into his father's footsteps and everything. And once you see all of that come towards the surface, then that's where the documentary really proves itself to be very valuable. I mean, even for anybody who's not a golf fan, because for me, Tiger is the only reason I even paid attention to golf. I mean, before, I mean, I would have never even tell you who a golf player was before Tiger came around. So he definitely was a cultural phenomenon. And the documentary examines that. But the best part for me is just the way I felt at the end of it. You know, as far as just seeing like the full combination of Tiger Woods' life and you know seeing and I was able to not see him under the gaze of him being just a cheater or being somebody who made mistakes I was able to see okay he made these mistakes but he's coming back he's he's becoming more comfortable you know speaking with his competitors now he's living for his kids now he seems to be in a better place and that's what made me the most happiest about watching this documentary Patrick what about you well, this documentary plays essentially like every musical biopic that you've ever seen. I mean, this is essentially Ray or Walk the Line or you know, the Queen documentary, the Freddie Mercury documentary, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's the same formula. It's let's start with something major. Let's go back to the childhood. Let's walk through the success story of the, pheno the phenom. Let's get into his bad parts and let's see his redemption. And that's fine. I, I think the formula works. It's familiar. And I think anybody that enjoys that type of formula will get a, a lot from the documentary. The thing that makes a documentary work more so than a biopic is that it's giving us that information that Coles talked about. There were things about Tiger's life that I didn't know. I was one of the spectators. I was that person that was described near the end as the one that was wowing him when he was coming up and getting jealous because, you know what, he's getting too popular to making fun of him when he fell. 
and then cheering him on again as he's making his redemption story complete here. And so there's some conviction as I'm watching this and going, you know, we hear a lot about what you mentioned, Gilleste, that athletes are people too. You know, celebrities are people too. But we kind of throw that to the wind because it's like, yeah, right, that they have all this money, they have all this fame. Yeah. And that's why they probably need, need to be looked at with a little bit more of a microscope to say, hey, look, those things aren't necessarily the steel barriers that keep them protected from everything else. A lot of times that's their kryptonite. And so watching a documentary like this play out where you have a, a guy like Tiger Woods do what he does and does it so well that watching his discomfort in living with that success on a very personal level, I think was what I connected with the most. I also really dug the fact that we got more about Earl, his dad, that I didn't know really much about him before watching this documentary, that he was, I knew he was influential, but I didn't know how much of an influence he was both positively and negatively on Tiger's life and how that affected the way he played for better or for worse and how it indirectly affected how he grieved through that period after Earl died and really what led to what we saw in the second half of the documentary indirectly. But overall, I enjoyed the, the doc quite a bit. I, I think that it's a great story for anybody who's interested in seeing a celebrity rise and fall and rise again. It's, it's a story that's worth telling because it's about a real person, which I think a lot of celebrities kind of deal with this kind of stuff. I wish that there were other things that, well, I'll bring it up in my criticisms, but uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. In fact, I really loved it. I think, you know, looking back on it, it stuck with me now for a couple of days. I've thought about it often, and that's a good sign for me. Uh, means that something really did have some value. And when something I watched, especially in a documentary sense, does stay with me and it's not just information that I learn and then immediately forget again, um, it means it was presented in a way that I could retain it. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this particular documentary and a lot of HBO documentaries, honestly, is the production value. I mean, when you go out and you get these two award-nominated, high, high-level documentary directors to put this thing together, what you get is this incredibly high production value package. I mean, this thing has the music that fits it perfectly. It has the score that is going to make your emotions or provoke your emotions to rise and fall with the storytelling that is happening on screen. Um, it looks great. The footage, uh, the way the footage is cut together and edited, I think is incredibly well done. There's never a time where I felt like it lost momentum and I just kind of got bored. I thought that it did a great job of not meandering and staying on course. And for, you know, what did I say? Three hours, a little over three hours of time that I watched it straight through. That's a success to me. It's just captivating and engrossing to watch this story. And I say that as someone who knew pretty much everything that happened here. That can be a strength 
for some, and that may be a weakness for others, unfortunately. But that's what this documentary is. It's not going to give you a ton of new information. And part of that is because Tiger was not involved in this. And I think that then it's important to note that up front. I've seen some early reviews that were very negative on it and called it a hit piece because it focused on Tiger's mistakes so much. And what I would say is that's Tiger's life. <laughs> and unfortunately, Tiger's legacy is now as much in the document actually says this in the documentary, someone makes the comment, you know, it's no longer just about your incredible superstardom and ungodly talent for playing golf and winning championships. You have created a narrative for yourself because of your actions where you cannot separate them anymore. And because it's not one incident, like you were talking about, Patrick, with a music biopic or something where Somebody got extra drunk one night and did one stupid thing and then can't rise back up and move past it. And so they have like all of this good to drown out one thing. Tiger had a string of things over and over and over and a string of injuries over and over and over before he was able to see success again. And so I think that it does a great job of showing that. Um, I, I think that for me, watching so much of his fall be a big part of this was impactful because of that first part. And I think, Patrick, you mentioned how much Earl is in this documentary in the beginning. It really digs into the relationship of Tiger growing up. And I think as a spectator who watches golf, and even I was someone who followed it pretty closely during much of Tiger's heyday, you know, I knew that Earl Woods meant everything to Tiger. You know, I saw him cry and go straight to his dad. I've seen him do interviews and talk about his dad. I didn't know how he got there. And for me, it puts perspective around every decision that Tiger would go on to make for the rest of his life and how that was influenced by the way he grew up and the way in which his father had a relationship with him. And it goes so much f deeper than just on the golf course. You know, a lot of sports stories will talk about a parental uh, figure who is pushing their kid, right? This, this parent pushes their kid too hard and it makes the kid do something. Well, it's a little more than that in this case, I think. And I, I enjoyed getting to know that. I enjoyed getting to hear from some of his, you know, ex-girlfriends and his friends that, he is apparently no longer close with and his caddy, his longtime caddy and, and friend as well. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I think Patrick, the conviction was there for me too. Um, with regards to the idea of us as consumers, as sports fans and in general fans of any celebrity wanting to cheer someone on and claim that celebrity as our own. And then the moment they make a mistake, kicking them when they're down as if we never would have believed that could happen. And that, and then immediately wanting to claim them again, if they are successful and our fickleness and how hard that must be, you know, Tiger specifically talks a lot in this. Now he doesn't talk about like interviews show how hard it was. Like you were saying, Coles for him to be in the media and to be that face and all the pressures that his dad put on him to be like this 
great humanitarian. His dad at one point says, you're going to be bigger than Jesus and Gandhi. How do you grow up like that, guys? Like, come on. That is some weight on your shoulders, right? Like, you're going to, you're going to get crushed by that at some point. Um, and so, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I got to say, I, I love Tiger. I think Tiger is incredible and he is definitely my favorite golfer of all time, warts and all. I will always root for his comeback uh, to continue after this. And I love what he did for the game of golf, um, inspiring people of color uh, to get into the game for the first time. Like you're talking about Coles uh, and just any and a whole new generation of kids in general, like getting excited about golf in the way that they are excited about other sports that maybe are a little more, quote unquote, exciting to play. Uh, my favorite quote, I got to say this because this is my favorite quote in the whole documentary is towards the end. And it really, to me, nails who Tiger Woods was. And I want to say this before we move into anything negative. This guy's talking and it's he's discussing the lead up to Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. And he says, there's a whole generation of tour bros, tour bros. Huh? There's a whole generation of tour pros that grew up idolizing Tiger, but they never played him at his peak. Never saw the shots that they could only see on YouTube now. And there were some pros who said, I can't wait to get into the hunt with Tiger Woods on Sunday in a major. The F you do. You have no idea what you're getting into. And then boom, right? And it, I think that that nails it because I was thinking about this a lot when we watched The Last Dance, how this generation didn't see Michael Jordan play. Like they didn't turn on the TV and see Michael Jordan. Like I did, barely, but I did, you know, for the, my teenage years, I was able to get some glimpses of him in his prime. There are people that haven't seen Tiger Woods because he's been hurt and out of it for ten, a decade. And they don't understand what that level of dominance. You can look on a scoreboard. You can look on a stats website and see he has X number of major victories and all of these records. But you don't understand that feeling until you're sitting there on a Saturday and a Sunday with your face glued to the TV watching the Masters, and this dude is, like, literally breaking mentally every single professional golfer in the world and just dominating them. And it felt so good to me to get to witness that again through this documentary. I know I've talked a lot. I'll, I'll Real quickly, I'll just throw out my, my couple of little gripes. Um, I think that the, the absence of Tiger I mentioned while I feel that Coles is correct, that they do take a fairly unbiased viewpoint of what they present, they're as unbiased as they can be when you don't have one side of the story. <laughs> uh, everybody that's in this documentary has broken up with Tiger. So it's not like any of these people are on good terms with him. And that's a little bit disheartening. And, a, you know, so take the doc with a grain of salt. Uh, when you're watching it, I think, and you know, it, it, it just, it didn't rub me wrong or anything. It just, I just wish that there would have been a little more in that first half specifically about his golf accomplishments, because we hit on a couple of tournament wins. We talk about how great they were. And then we talk about the end stats before the fall begins. But man, guys, I just, I could have watched 30 minutes of Tiger highlights, frankly, and we get a couple of tournaments that really hammer home just how good he was, like I was talking about. 
but there's a lot of build up and then the fall happens. There's just very little of like Tiger at his peak in this documentary. And I would have liked a little bit more of that. And then my only other thing is I'm not sure that this was the time for this. I think maybe this documentary and maybe this book are a little too soon. Tiger's story is not done. He hasn't won anything since 2019 or not a major. Uh, he's still struggling with injuries and we don't know what's going to happen and where his story is going to go. And I feel like this is a story better told at the end of someone's career instead of while it's still technically happening, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Amend this if he wins another major and like edit it in like to the end of a podcast episode or something to the end of the documentary and be like, Oh, uh, my bad. Here's part three guys. We got a little bit more to talk about. So those are my small issues with the documentary. Let's go in reverse order. Patrick, what you got this negative? Or what what bothered you about this one? Well, I mean, you hinted at some of it. I think even at over three hours, we don't get, we get a lot of a little thing. Like we get a lot of little things about his life. And there were at least half a dozen parts of this documentary that could have been isolated and picked out and have been an hour long a piece or a series. And to your point, just like with Ken Burns and his baseball documentary, <laughs> he he did a nine-part documentary in nine innings. And then for this latest, like the last couple of years, not this year, but a couple of years ago, he did, you know, extra innings, and he called it the 10th inning. And so he added on to it. Tiger is not thorough enough for me because it tells me just enough about one part of his life and then moves on. So to your point, Aaron, we could talk a lot about Tiger as the golfer and how he just blew his competition away early on and how he dominated. That could have been a part in and of itself. His relationship with his dad growing up and the philosophy that his dad instilled in him, how you were going to be great or not at all, how that affected him. And this is where his input comes from, would, would be beneficial is having him tell that story, tell those stories. What was it like growing up with your dad? Now, there, of course, would have to be a lot of vulnerability on his part, and he may not be one of these guys who says, look, I'm not ready to tell that story. And so this is where I go back to this feels like a musical biopic because it kind of glosses over everything and gives us entertainment at that downfall because that's what's interesting to us. We like seeing celebrities go down. We like reading the tabloids. And this documentary, I think, plays up to that. Yes, the first hour and a half is about the rise. But what I took away from this was his fall. Like, that was the thing that stood out to me. Oh, I'd forgotten that it was that many women that he was with. Oh, I forgot that he got pulled over by the cops and was videotaped the whole time while he was being processed. I'm not thinking about his accomplishments. I'm not thinking about his relationship with his dad or the way in which his dad and his dad's buddy essentially showed him how not to honor their wives. <laughs> that to me was something I would love to have seen a whole section on because that obviously had an influence on how Tiger was after his dad passed away. And although the story is cohesive and it's told in a way that makes a lot of sense for me, I just felt like I got a truncated version of this guy's life. 
And the fact that he's still playing, Aaron, I think diminishes that a little bit for me because you're right. We don't know the end. This feels like a story that needs to have a, a bow on it, whether it's a messed up bow or a pretty bow, it needs to feel complete. And yeah, what happens if he suddenly in the next five years goes on a tear and I don't see him ever being the tiger that he was back in the early 2000s, but it's entirely possible for somebody to have a second win or for him to do something incredible outside of the golf world that changes who he is, kind of like Robert Downey Jr. having his second movie career as Iron Man. Or to have another fall. He could have... What if he he backslides and does something incredibly terrible? And then you're like, well, okay, now what? (laughs) So that... Like you, the timing of this, I think, is going to date it, especially if something significant happens in his life. Even if it doesn't, I feel like for me, this documentary is going to be one that I don't think I'll go back to necessarily. I'll recommend it to people because it's a great first time watch, but I don't think it's on a repeat for me. Kales, what you got? For me, um, I have to, um, since I'm the guy who read the book, I have to go off of that as far as my um, nitpicks. For one thing, the film does a good thing of going into Tiger's childhood, and it's deep, but it's not deep enough. I mean, I could tell you so many passages from the books. Like, there's a passage in the book from Tiger's childhood, which I thought would have been a documentary, but it wasn't, where the moment where Tiger was watching the 1980s, 1986 Masters, where Jack Nicholas won his, um, I think it was his 18th major, and Tiger immediately went to his room and started looking up when Jack Nicholas accomplished his milestones. Like, he accomplished it at this age, he did it at this age, and Tiger said to his father, I'm going to do it faster than he did. I want to be the greatest of all time. I'm going to, like, hit all these benchmarks younger than when he did it. I thought that would be in there. That was missing. Um, there's also a couple of instances in Tiger's life where in school, you, you know, they go over a little bit where how Earl wouldn't let him play certain sports or things like that. But there were plenty of stories in the books like m- where more than once Tiger got in trouble and got scolded for playing soccer at school or for even trying to sign up for other things outside of golf. I mean, they don't they show that Tiger's parents were very instrumental in changing him into this assassin, this guy that's mentally tough, who was never going to be distracted by anything. You know, Earl put him through so much of, like, the training that he did when he was in the military to toughen him up, and he gave him out. He said, say one word, enough, but he never did. Tiger never did, and that followed him, and that made him into who he was in his career, but not enough goes into his childhood development, and I'm surprised that his time in Stanford before he went pro was left out of the conversation, too. Um, There was a part in the book where they talk about how Tiger Woods was going to lose his eligibility while playing at Stanford because he took a $25 steak dinner invitation from Arnold Palmer himself. And Tiger was it was a big story in the media, real big story that didn't get brought up. There was. Outside of the one girlfriend and, you know, the mistress that they bring on the interview about Tiger's, you know, love life, there was another girlfriend he had after he turned pro that he dated for like three or four years. And it was another opportunity for him to become, to have a normal life outside of the fame. You know, they talk about the documentary how Tiger really wanted to have a normal life. He was never comfortable with being the center of attention. You know, he, there's a part in the documentary where a kid is asking him, like, like, how do you deal with this? And Tiger's like, 
you never learn to deal with this. Like, <laughs> you know, you never become comfortable with having your privacy invaded. And but they don't they don't talk they don't go more into that. And I feel that's where the incompleteness comes in to where Tiger's career is not finished. I will add on to what you guys are saying. It felt like if it wasn't for Tiger's fall, I don't think you could have a documentary about Tiger Woods. I don't think this documentary would be able to suffice without his fall. I think the story of Tiger and, you know, his infidelities and then, you know, him having an opioid addiction, that was mostly the meat of what this documentary was. And while it is compelling and is well told and it really tugged at me in an emotional way, I feel that without that, there really isn't much to do with this documentary, especially without Tiger's involvement. And his career is not finished. You know, there's a it's it's like in the 1990s when they made they would make Michael Jordan films and like Michael Jordan was still playing on the Chicago Bulls. Like they made they had an ABC film called Michael the Michael Jordan Story. It's made in 1997 while Jordan was still playing and winning championships. It was very weird. Y'all can look that up if y'all want to. But these are just like my little nitpicks, and it especially comes from me reading the book. A book is always going to have more detail than a documentary, so it's kind of an unfair comparison because there's only so much you can do. You know, you could have stressed this out. Like Patrick said, you could have did the Kim Burns thing. You could have stressed this out, like focusing on one aspect of his life, turning it into one episode, then going to the next one. Could have did that. Don't know why they didn't. You know, maybe they were trying to capitalize off of the um, attention in the New York Times bestseller um notoriety that the biography got but these are just my nitpicks um not too many major issues um i can't see myself really just watching this over and over again like i would with the last dance but nothing major yeah i'm with you guys and i think that that's because that it is so heavy on the fall i think if we had more of tiger golf highlights a la a youtube package essentially with awesome you know, award-winning documentary and production value put on the top of it, like an E, you know, a 30 for 30 has a lot of times, we would want to be re-watching it because it would just be like watching highlights and reliving the glory days. But there's not enough of that to make you want to rewatch it, even if there is enough of that to competently tell the story. So, yeah, I think we're all three on board with that. Coles, overall, are you feeling it? Strongly feeling it. Strongly feeling it, he says. Patrick. I'm feeling it just past the halfway mark. I would give it a recommendation for someone for a one-time watch. Okay. And I'm strongly feeling it. I'm with Coles. I think that it is an absolute must for anyone that is a sports fan, anyone that has ever had any interest whatsoever in Tiger Woods. Uh, and if you are just a Joe Schmo out there, who likes documentaries, I think you might have a decent time with it. If you don't like sports and you don't care about Tiger Woods, then obviously you're probably wasting your time. And I'm not, I'm be surprised if you're listening to us right now. Uh, this documentary is going to air on HBO Max as well as on HBO television. Part one will be on HBO Max Sunday, January the 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And then it will be on HBO television starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time, so three hours later. Part 2, HBO Max on Sunday, January 17th at 6 p.m., a week later. And then on HBO television at 9 p.m. Pacific time after that. I'm wondering if this is going to be a new thing. It's the first time I've noticed it, but it makes sense. So people who are subscribing to your service now kind of get like this three-hour exclusivity window before... And it's interesting that it's three hours when it's 
an hour and a half. So it's like it gives basically two cycles of people that could watch it uh, before it hits the television side of HBO. So I don't know. I just thought that, thought that was kind of interesting. I'd be curious to see how they handle that going forward. But yeah, there you go. Comes out Sunday, January 10th, first part on HBO Max and HBO, January 17th, the second part. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. This was great. This was fun. Enjoyed this a lot. And everyone listening, hope you had a good time. If you check it out, let us know what you think. We'll be back soon.